When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You straight up cuckooed that dude, bro. Oh my God. You've got all your Charger gear on because you're feeling fresh as hell. Well, you guys better enjoy it. It's the fans loved it. You have to love what you're seeing on tape if you're a Chargers fan, especially for the future with Justin Herbert. On the move and throws and touchdown. Do this is together. Players, coaches, staff, fans, together, we can create something truly special. Stay tuned for the good content. <laughs> well, hello there. Welcome back to the Charger Chat. I'm your co-host, Will Dong, sitting with my buddy, Kev Huggin' Duggan. Okay, so the tables have turned. Yes, folks, the we are we are playing we're playing musical chairs here right now. It's I'm staying still, but the <laughs> the second person flip, seems flip, to be kind of going back and Duggan, forth. Flip flop, yeah. flip flop, yeah. flip flop. Duggins uh, is the game that we're playing here. Unfortunately, Kyle could not be with us today, uh, as we mentioned on the previous episode. He's expecting a. I think he's, I think <laughs> he's getting ready. Visitor, <laughs> he's pre gaming right now. He's right. pre gaming, getting ready for that baby to come. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, prayers to Hillary because, and I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> She's going to, Hillary, if you listen to this, we all know you're going to kick some serious ass. I and hope There's going to so. be a new little Doug in here and he's going to be rad. Yes. Not as rad as he possibly could be because Kyle's his dad, but the raddest that oh he God. could possibly be from Kyle. I can't, oh man, <laughs> his mustache <laughs> is going to be. It grows with every <laughs> don't slam me, you throw it up. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Super hella rad. Like crazy rad, but right. not like extreme rad. You there's, know what I mean? There's room to rad, you know? Yeah, there's, there's levels of radness. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, we'll we'll get Kyle back on here as soon as we can. But uh, just know that he's okay. Just dealing with a third Duggan coming in. Coming in hot. <laughs> coming in hot and heavy. Um, all right. Well, it's another... Light episode, folks, with uh, not not a lot going on in this offseason, but we've got some special announcements to make. And as always, we've got a Craig experience and a Bolt history this week, so stay tuned. Those are coming right up. Um, But let's look over at Twitter, and specifically PFF, because we love PFF here at Charger Chat, don't we? Yeah, not really. Not so much. Yeah. But uh, they sat down with Julian Edelman, those who don't know, wide receiver for the Patriots and Super Bowl winner and all that jazz. He's been yeah. around. He's, he's, he's ran them bases. And <laughs> he was sitting down with PFF and mentioned his 
personal opinion of the top three wide receivers in the NFL. Number one, Devontae Adams. Okay. Understandable. Fine. Uh, number two, Keenan Allen. Number 13, the Slayer. Number 13, Slayer, making an appearance. And behind him, the most recent Super Bowl winner, Cooper Cup. So put Slayer up at number two on PFF and really just kind of praised his route running and his athleticism and everything about him because, I mean, game recognizes game. We all know that. I mean, every time we get on Twitter, there's just a constant debate about is Keenan Allen, is he overrated? Is he he underrated? Is he like, is he good? Is he top 50 or is he top 100? Right. Or is he top three? Yeah. Like Like Julian Edelman said. (laughs) Edelman, this is what he did for a living. So if like, I'm going to go to the guy that did the thing that we're talking about for a living when it comes to stat, like rating these guys. So this is, I think this is a done deal. This is set in stone. As far as I'm concerned, we can put this to bed. I'm tired of hearing all the bullshit. All the now is he overrated? Is he underrated? Yeah, that's all I need. You got edled. You got stamp of edel approval. Yeah, you just got edled. Yeah. Bam. Um, um, but hopefully it's exciting. Like we'll see what he does this year. He's got another year with Justin. He just doesn't drop some of those balls last year. He it's even better, even better year for him. Mm-hmm. So you know he, he has Justin Herbert. He has Justin Herbert. Devontae I mean, Adams. Derek Carr. Yeah, they're different quarterbacks, different kind of quarterback, different, uh, different guys slinging the ball with a different set of skills, mm, yeah. not the skills I would want with my quarterback. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll stick with mine. I'll, I'll keep stick mine. with Thank ours you very much. Um, yeah, because that, that's the other thing, too, is we talk about Justin Herbert getting, you know, his second consecutive year in this offense. That's going to be the same thing for Keenan Allen, which I can only imagine is going to benefit his game as well. I mean, I don't know. Would you attribute part of those drops to being a new offensive scheme? Having that be a part of it? He was asked about it. And he was just like, he's like, I just got to hit the jugs machine. Like I, I, it was kind of uncharacteristic. He's always been so good with that. So I don't know. Maybe he just wasn't able to, he's thinking too much. I don't know. I I can't imagine it's going to be a a consistent thing that he's going to do. So just don't drop balls. Just catch those perfect balls. Okay, guys, just do that for us, please. Yeah. They're perfect. Don't drop them. Catch they're per- them. They're perfect. Keep them perfect. Mint on right. card. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then looking over at the NFL listed out the top 10 best-selling jerseys of 2022. Uh, Russell Wilson is number one. That's easy because he's a brand new quarterback on the Bronco. Like that's the easy jersey that right. Like everyone and their mom, like every Bronco fan bought that jersey. Right. Well, because they were just happy that they didn't have to put on a Drew Locke or a Teddy Bridgewater jersey. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, oh, shit. Finally, a decent quarterback. Finally. Jesus. Let's ride. Let's Uh, ride. (laughs) (laughs) Let's ride. Number two is Josh Allen. Three, Devontae Adams. Makes sense. He's new to their team. Same with Kenny Pickett at number four. Tom Brady, because he still lingers like a ghost. (laughs) Number five, Ooh. Mac Jones. Number six, Cooper Cup. Number seven, and number eight, Justin Herbert. How about one ahead of Patrick Mahomes, two ahead of Joe Burrow. Hmm. I think there hmm. might be some Charger fans out there, guys, or hmm. maybe some new excitement and some new Charger fans buying some new jerseys. Hmm. Just a thought. Just a thought. 
Just a stupid thought. There's going to be a uh, lot of 10s in that jersey this coming season. There's going to be a lot of numbers. Oh, 10s. absolutely. Well, and understandably so. I mean, I think we saw more after the first year just because he was breaking rookie records. But even in the second year, he continues to break records. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a sea of 10s. They got to come up with some kind of a 10 chant at the at the stadium or something to yeah. just to embarrass Justin a little bit, make him blush a little bit more. Uh, why, why don't you just do a call uh, call and response? Perfect. 10. Perfect. 10. Perfect. 10. Perfect. 10. That makes sense. Like that works. <laughs> We're rating his hotness and how good he is at football. Yeah. Can't wait. Just a thought. Just a thought. Um, all right. Well, let's look over to uh, friends of the podcast, Rivers Lake Yacht Club. Love what they're doing over there. Um, our friends over at riverslake.org are working on something special for the upcoming season and want to see if anyone is interested in coming on board to help. Aye, aye. So what are the goals? They are looking to outreach to the neighborhoods around SoFi Stadium, making Inglewood Bolt Country. That's pretty bold. That's pretty crazy that they're looking to make Inglewood Bolt Country. I love it. That's 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 pretty that's crazy. Uh, there are three main routes through Inglewood to SoFi Stadium. We want as many Charger flags, etc., on those routes when the season starts. Hmm. I like it. Opposing fans and even teams should notice. So basically, just kind of which I think is crazy. I mean, I was talking to Kevin about this prior. It's like, okay, wait a minute. So we we you can't deny that we share a stadium. With the LA Rams. Okay. And you can't deny that the LA Rams just won a Super Bowl. And we're looking to say, uh-uh, this is our I I have house. so much respect for this. The like I love this idea of like just taking it over, just a hostile takeover of the area. That's what it feels like. It's like I love it. It's very aggressive, which I is, love it so yeah, much. We we're not used to seeing this from Charger fans. No. Um and from the leader of RiversLake.org is our very own friend of the podcast, Senior Snappy, who had this to say. As Charger fans, we often say respect will come with winning. However, equally as important is what our community of Charger fans does for that respect. The wins will take care of themselves, but what more can we do to transform how we're looked at and thought of as fans? Uh, taking 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 control of the destiny of what the fans are perceived because for too long have we lived as chargers don't have, have fans. any fans yeah exactly so i think this is lighting a fire <laughs> to let the world know hey Chargers got fans, and wait till you see. And we'll pick how it. Much. We'll pick it this whole driveway up to SoFi. We are <laughs> here this for this whole damn city. <laughs> it's going down. <laughs> so, Rivers Lake Yacht Club looks to organize a group of influential minds willing to do what it takes to truly cement Southern California as more than our home, but our fortress. Ooh. Rivers Lake Yacht Club is not a booster club. It is a rallying name under which Charger fans from various groups can participate in boots on the ground community outreach and become the building blocks for our fortress. We call upon the brightest and boldest Charger fans to join us virtually via Zoom 
and learn how they can get involved this Saturday, July 2nd at noon Pacific Standard Time. Meeting links will go out in advance to all RiversLake.org members. You can also register at RiversLake.org for more information. So if you're interested in being a part of this, go to RiversLake.org. You can check out all the information that they've got. You can join the Zoom meeting if you want to be one of these people that's about to paint the town powder blue. I love it. And they also have some great articles. Uh, Nick Defense oh, right, Huge, yeah. who is our very own Kickman. If you remember the Kickman oh, I remember the Kickman. <laughs> He's our Kickman. He just did this awesome article comparing basically um, Genghis Khan to Brandon Staley and a very, very interesting article. You really? Check, you check it out. So RiversLink.org does some really cool, fun, um, fun articles and stuff over there too. So Absolutely. check them out. Absolutely. And, and they've, and I'll say they've got some great merch. I've definitely worn merch. a shirt or two on here, but if you want to check out some of our great merch, oh, go on over to chargerchat.com. Check out all of the sweet t-shirts, hoodies, and stickers that we've got over there. Chat it up with other members in our member section, other Charger Chat tiers, if you will, and ask questions and ask both fam. Those of you wondering how can I ask questions, well, just go on over to chargerchat.com and check out the Ask Ball Fam section and all the other great things we've got going on over there. All right. Well, now it is time to go on to the next segment. It is the one, the only, the Craig Experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on in, man. Kick your feet up. The oh. Craig Experience. Hello there. Make yourself at home. Got some stuff to talk about, right? Moving on. Listen, if you gave me a billion dollars, an underground cave with a bunch of cool gadgets and gizmos, I could be a superhero too. So like, he's number four on my list. Yeah, I'm, you know. Oh, hey, I, I, I gotta go, got something I gotta do. Okay, cool, later. Um, hey, CC gang, the uh, biggest of salutes and to the rest of the boat fam. What is goody? She got Craig in Texas. And welcome to another edition of the Craig Experience. You know, I realized that uh, I never gave the charges an off-season grade. Uh, so let's do that. Let's compartmentalize it, break it down into pros and cons, and give it a letter grade at the end of it. What do you say? It's not like we have anything else to do until the week of July 25th, so here goes. Let's start with the cons, because we're all about positivity here, so we're going to end this off on a high note. And also because there aren't very many of them. We all know that the right tackle position didn't necessarily get handled the way that most of us wanted it to, but I'm pretty sure you guys know how I feel, and I think it's Trey Pipkins' job to uh, lose going into camp. I mean, I'm sure Storm Norton has had some improvement throughout the offseason, and another year in the system helps him out a bunch. But we've seen that Trey Pickens has been working with Duke Manningweather this offseason, and uh, we've been hearing good things. So... Let's turn that frown upside down when it comes to the right tackle position and uh, get ready to support your boy Trey because looks like he's going to be the dude. The only other con, in my opinion, matters far less to some than it does others. Uh, I am a part of the others because I absolutely wanted to see them add an uh, explosive creator at the wide receiver position. 
Now, is it a necessity? No, because they were a top five offense in the league without one last year, and the additions that they've made on offense may be able to facilitate big plays in other ways. So it's fine. But yeah, I'm still craving one of those cats on the team just because it's something that I think that would make the offense more complete. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Carter, maybe, because... You know, he's a special teams guy, primary kick return, punt returner. So that means he can make it happen in the open field. And at that position, you kind of sort of have to be more of a creator. Uh, What I call these dudes are the take it and make it happen types. Just get the ball in their hands and let them go to work. Uh, And then there's uh, Joe Reed, who I'm never giving up on. So you guys might as well just grin and bear it because as long as he's on the roster, uh, I'm here to support it. And uh I'm not giving up on the dream. You're my boy, Joe. You're my boy. Now on to the pros, because there are many. And let's just start with interior defensive line, which was absolutely a necessity to be repaired going into the offseason. And boy, did they do that. Adding Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, two of the better run defenders in the league. Can't ask for very much more than that. So now what was an absolute weakness for the Chargers last year and in years past should be more of a strength moving forward. And then you've got, you know, new bodies that are rolling into the room along with dudes who were already there, like a Braden Fajoko, who showed uh, some growth last season. Cooking with a little bit of gas now. And who could possibly forget about that bombshell news we all received when we learned that... Khalil Mack was going to be a Los Angeles Charger. Now you go from having one pass rusher du jour, enjoy Bosa, who was facing double and triple teams week in and week out, to now having arguably the best pass rushing tandem in all of the NFL. And by the way, Khalil Mack is not just a great pass rusher, but a phenomenal run defender. So you've got two very well-rounded edge guys. So you're not losing anything on either side. They have contrasting styles that complement each other very, very well. And what that does for you is helps your uh, defense stay fresh by being off of the field as much as humanly possible, not having to go through long, tedious drives, wearing them down, which takes a toll on them and affects them later into games. And you get the ball back into your superstar quarterback's hands as often as possible. So win-win. And when you're looking at the division that you're in, you're facing some of the best quarterbacks in the entire league in Patrick Mahomes and now Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm not forgetting anyone. And as the holes were continuing to be filled, everybody wanted this to happen really, really badly, I believe, but... I don't think many of us thought it was a reality. Chargers signed J.C. freaking Jackson. We're talking about a top five cornerback, a lockdown dude, something the Chargers have not had in a very, very long time. There was no reason to believe it was actually going to happen because you just assume that the top corner on the market was going to end up being paid top of the market money. But he took less to come to play with his boy Derwin. And man, are the Chargers ever so grateful because now this unlocks the defense in ways that we've not seen in quite some time. Able to put him on a team's number one wide receiver and potentially erase him. Or you could do the old school Darrell Rivas thing now where you put your number one corner on the team's number two wide receiver and then you can bracket the number one wide receiver with the corner and safety. There's a bunch of different things you can do. But what it does is ultimately 
give you so many options on the defensive side of the ball. And um, it's one of the picks that I'm sure we're all the most excited about and one that probably caught us the most off guard. I mean, you could argue the Khalil Mack thing, but I think when you're looking at it in a vacuum, we probably didn't really think JC was an option. We mentioned this in the con section of things, but you kind of have to circle back around to it because the Chargers did address the offensive line, just not at the position I think most thought they were. And they may have gotten what amounts to the cleanest offensive line prospect in the first round in Zion Johnson, who can play tackle in a pinch, but he's going to be a guard for the Chargers. And what he does is, depending on where they're lining him up, looks like right guard is going to be his thing. We don't know what's going to happen with the whole Matt Filer situation, but if they keep things as they are, you put a guy in there that's plug and play. And what that allows to happen is that you solidify for your five spots and you can find a way to work around that right tackle position. We've talked about that a ton already, but Zion Johnson is going to be a godsend to this offensive line because, again, all it does is help Herbert out. And if you got to do with an arm like that, that can sit in the pocket and survey a defense, he'll be able to carve him up. This thing just keeps getting better and better as we go along. And uh, we have a lot to be excited about. And you guys should be thankful because this ain't your uh, daddy's chargers. As a former skills guy in football, this is another one of those moves that uh, really got me excited. I really, really liked Isaiah Spiller. And for the Chargers to have been able to get him in the fourth round was pretty freaking crazy, in my opinion. But that's something that they've been lacking as well. A complimentary back for Austin Eckler because we know what that dude is and what his specialty is. And yeah, though he's built like a brick house, uh, he's not a 25 to 30 carry guy. It's not how he's built. And what Spiller allows for uh, the offense to do at this point is maneuver Eckler around a bunch more. If you want to get him outside at wide receiver in a slot, you want him running jet sweeps. There's a lot that you can do with them. And being that the Chargers kind of derive the base of their offensive playbook from the Saints playbook, Joe Lombardi, uh, they want to use Eckler a lot more like Alvin Kamara's used out there. And this will allow for that. And again, it keeps Eckler fresh throughout the season. The dude's only been begging for someone to step up and be a contributor behind him. Someone who can come in and force snaps for themselves. He's looking for someone who did what he did. Came into town, proved themselves, and took someone's spot. Now, you know, I'm not saying Spiller's ever going to take Eckler's spot, not, you know, for some time. But I do think Spiller's going to be more of a 1B to Eckler's 1A, as opposed to him being looked at as RB2 as the season goes on. Initially, it'll probably start off with more Eckler, but as they gain more trust in Spiller and he shows what he can do, he'll be out on the field a whole bunch more. And you'll see the offense using both of them in multiple ways. And Spiller can also catch the ball out of the backfield. So you're not losing a bunch if you do have to take Eckler off. So once again, this offense should be humming. There's no excuses. Uh, who doesn't like a little bit of lanyard? I mean, I know I love it. Fries, chicken tendies, uh, popcorn. Do I need to go to the movies? Um, Yo, after the draft, the Chargers decided that there were some spots that they needed to get shored up. And boy, did they ever do it. We're talking Kyle Van Dam, Mr. Bloodsport himself. You may know him as Kyle Van Noy. And uh, Bryce Callahan. And let's start with Kyle Van Noy. Mr. Do Everything in the Front, from an edge and off-ball linebacker perspective, that is. 
And it couldn't have worked out better for the Chargers. They needed an edge three dude, and they found arguably what was the best option on the market because of the versatility. You know, there are questions at linebacker as well, and he fits the bill for an edge three, and he's probably, arguably, the best option at off-ball inside linebacker right now. I, I doubt he'll start there, but, I mean, he was the number one dude in camp, so that has to mean something. Uh, and then moving on to Bryce Callahan, which now, I mean, we're talking like buku reinforcements. Uh, he comes in as another cornerback, a slot dude, not just any slot dude, one of the best at his position in the entire league. And they just keep building this thing. I mean, look, I'm, I'm telling you guys, appreciate it because we, many of us, have not seen a Chargers offseason the likes of this. I mean, I'm a fan of 20 plus years. And for all of the very good teams the Chargers have had, um, even from a free agency standpoint, I've not seen anything quite like this. A lot of this stuff was built up through the draft and um, retaining players for a while. We know how that went during the Marty era and, you know, AJ Smith. And, you know, let's not get into that. But now you've got a new sheriff in town with Coach Brandon Staley and his imprint is all over this thing. So 2022 is feeling like a special season from this point and beyond. And I think we're in for a really, really fantastic ride, folks. If you've been in on the ground floor from this thing and dealt with all of the trials and tribulations of being a Chargers fan, now is going to be your time to relish in the feeling of what it is to be a winner. It's coming. It's something that I genuinely believe in and we need to get amped up about it. So if you're not and you have your doubts and look at, look at who's telling you this. You remember this dude? That's who I've been for like the last five to six seasons as a Chargers fan. And if I can turn that around, you for sure can, believe me. So, uh, when we're talking grades, collectively, even with the couple cons that there were in existence, or still are existing, uh, this is an A off season. You can cover up the right tackle issue. And if Trey Pipkins plays at an average to around average level, or you get somebody to fill that spot who can just be, you know, more than just a cinder block, then you did everything you needed to do to fulfill the needs of the offense. And um, defensively, yo, we're going to be rocking this year, man. Derwin James, Defensive Player of the Year. You heard it from your boy first. It's happening. Hell, if he doesn't win it, it's going to be Joey. If it's not Joey, it could be Khalil. If it's not Khalil, I mean, hell, take your pick. With a talent-laden defense like this, it could be someone that we're not even considering. That's how much we have to look forward to. All right, that's enough of me basking in the Chargers offseason glory. Uh, Bolt fam, feel free to jump in the comments and... Tell me what your grades are. And fellas, you do the same. Holla at your boy. Until the next one, uh, y'all know who it is. It's Mr. Boat Gang or Do Not Bang, uh, also known as T-O-P underscore F-L-Y-T-3 over on Twitter. And catch me on YouTube at the Flight Deck. Charge it to the game. Till the next time, folks, y'all take it easy. Be good. Stay bolted up. And uh, K, love you. Bye. You know what I give that? You know what I give that segment, Craig? A plus. A plus. A plus. That was so awesome, Craig. That that again, folks, he showed you what.
Craig has been. Craig Craig can be a little salty he's from our, time to time. He's our local curmudgeon on right. the Chargers Chat podcast. But, and it, but the, in a good like in a good way. He, he keeps it calls, real. Keeps that's, it real. That that's the thing. It's like he 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 tells it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. No. Uh and so there, he has no reason to sugarcoat this grade in the offseason. Everything that he mentions and talks about is is right on 100%. as far as what this team needed, what this team got, and where this team is going. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I I can't think of a better grade than than what he gave as an A. Like, honestly, like I, I mean, the only glaring issue that we'll always talk about until the first <laughs> game is that right, right tackle. tackle position, and even that is. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a we don't know. Like, we know what a lot of these guys can do. We know what J.C. Jackson can do, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and Justin Herbert and all these guys. We know what they can do. It's that right tackle is that we don't know if that right tackle is going to rise to the occasion yeah. and do what it should do. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? The The one thing I took from that segment that I really enjoyed and I might use moving forward is uh, Kyle Van Dam. Um <laughs> It's the perfect nickname for Kyle Van Noy. So Kyle Van Dam, I'm so glad you're on the team. Yes. Yeah. But those of you that are just listening, I would highly recommend checking out the YouTube version because Craig has gotten GIF happy <laughs> and <laughs> has dropped in a lot of videos and uh, it, it it really makes it a, a fun watch. So for sure, if you are just listening, I'd highly recommend at least checking out the Craig experience over on YouTube. Uh, well, yeah, thank you, Craig, uh, for, for taking a look at it and breaking it down in, in a way that we can all understand and digest. I'm excited for this defense. Like you said, there's so many different combinations. Who knows what they're going to bring out there? It's going to be freaking scary. Week one, man. We're going to be at that Raider game. <laughs> it's and coming, dude. Our new defense. And I just can't wait. The, gonna, the anticipation's so high. It's, it's like pop them in the mouth right in the <laughs> throat right in the stomp you on the throat uh, can't wait thank you craig for for doing it thanks brother. um all right well now it's time to go on to the next segment bolt history with mike modlin what's he teaching today sit down and he'll tell you quiet sit quiet in the class gum give it <laughs> give it <laughs> <laughs> Remember like it was yesterday. In comes this whirlwind, Don Coriel. So see the San Diego Chargers and see spectacular professional football at its best. Into the end zone, Charger fans are witnesses to history! Happy Friday, Bolt Gang. Welcome back to Bolt History. I'm your Charger Chat historian, Mike Modlin. And today we've got a really neat one for you. Today we're going to be talking about a particular unit on the team from way back in the day when I was a youth. Um, This particular defensive line that we're going to be talking about sacked quarterbacks 247 times between 1977 and 1981. That's an average of almost 50 sacks a season, 49.4 to be specific. Uh, That's pretty incredible. This particular defensive line had a really cool nickname, and the reason that I'm doing this uh, particular bold history is because this offseason on social media, I've seen quite a few people wanting to give nicknames to our new offensive and defensive lines um, because there have been such a market improvement in those areas. But this particular unit had a really cool nickname, and not only did the unit have a cool nickname, each guy on the unit had a cool nickname as well. Uh, So I'm talking about 
The Bruise Brothers, they were our defensive line, four guys between 1977 and 1981 who were just amazing. Uh, they were comprised of mean Fred Dean, uh, Gary Big Hands Johnson, Louis Kelcher. Uh, if you're not familiar with Louis's nickname, it's because he really didn't have it. It wasn't so much of a nickname as it was a crowd response. You know, those guys whose names have the ooh sound in them. So when they make a play, it sounds like the crowd's booing, but it's not really booing. They're, they were saying Lou. So Louie uh, was always getting the chance of Lou in the stadium going on. And the one who I didn't know had a nickname until today, uh, Leroy Jones was the fourth member of that line. Um, and Leroy played in the CFL, the Canadian Football League, for the Ed Edmonton Eskimos. Um, his nickname on the Edmonton Eskimos was Leroy Badman Jones, and I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but he also had a uh, nickname when he was with the Rams. We'll talk about that as well. He was known as Leroy Too Much Jones. It was a takeoff of Leroy, Too, or sorry, uh, Ed Too Tall Jones from the Cowboys. Uh, Leroy was six foot eight, uh, so he was a massive human being. Um, anyway, so that was he was known as Too Much Jones and Badman Jones. Uh, Fred Dean and um, and uh, Jones played defensive end. And uh, Gary Big Hands Johnson and Louis Kelcher played defensive tackle. Um, Fred Dean played 11 seasons. Uh, so did Gary Big Hands Johnson. And both uh, Jones and Kelcher played 10 seasons. Um, Fred Dean played with the Chargers from 1975 through 1981. Johnson from 1975 to 1983. Uh, Leroy Jones from uh, 1976 through 1983. And Louis Kelcher played with us from 1975 through 1983. Um We'll start with Leroy Jones. He decided to head up north to play in Canada for the Edmonton Eskimos in 1974. He'd played at North, he played college at Norfolk State. Uh, and he was also a great basketball player as well. And not surprising the man was six foot eight. Um, nonetheless, he was a great asset to the team. He led the Eskimos in tackles and sacks that year, uh, 1974. And they also won the 63rd annual Grey Cup, which is the, the Canadian Football League's Super Bowl. Uh, the Eskimos won that Super Bowl, that great cup. Um, he also played for them in the 1975 CFL season, but he also, he got injured. Uh, and he came off of injured reserve just shortly before they were about to make the playoffs. The coach didn't really think that he was going to be able to help them in the playoffs, so he cut him. Uh, so while he was playing in Canada, he also had gotten drafted when his college college uh, group, his college year would have graduated, which was 1975. So in 1975, while he was playing in the CFL, he got drafted by the Los Angeles Rams in the NFL draft uh, in the second round. And that was the highest that any player in, in Norfolk State has ever been drafted. Um, that's ever. The Chargers acquired him via trade. They traded a second rounder for the Los to the Los Angeles Rams and $15,000 cash. Uh, so we got Leroy Jones. And here's an interesting personal story. Uh, the person that the Rams drafted with that second rounder they got from the Chargers was a man named Billy Waddy, who lived on my street in Poway, California when I was growing up. He taught us all to play street football with Nerf footballs and stuff. He taught us the rules of football and everything else. So I have actually a personal link to this story, which is kind of cool. But he ended up joining the Chargers in 1976 through that trade. Fred Dean was drafted in the second round of the 1975 NFL draft by the Chargers. He was joining a team that was in the middle of revamping its defense. Uh, it, it also kind of at the same time they also drafted a fellow Bruce brother Gary Johnson in the first round, number 
pick number eight overall. Uh, in that same in that same draft, Louis Kelcher was drafted in the second round, pick number thirty overall, uh, and then Fred Dean was picked at number thirty three overall. He played really well in his rookie season, finishing with seven sacks and ninety three tackles, along with four fumble recoveries. Gary Johnson, like Fred Dean and Louis Kelcher, was drafted in the seventy five draft by the Chargers, and like Kelcher and Dean, he performed really well in the nineteen seventy five season. But it wasn't enough to save the Chargers, who had a the league worst two and twelve record that year. Um, since then, they, they were beat out by the two thousand Chargers. We went one and fifteen, so they were saved by the two thousand Chargers for not being the worst ever. Uh, but Kelcher was drafted in the second round, as we said, um, just ahead of Dean and after Johnson, and he played really well in his rookie season as well. The NFL reported him by placing him on the All Rookie Team. Uh, in 2009, ESPN ranked the Chargers' 1975 draft class as the team's best draft ever, and it is widely considered as one of the best drafts for any franchise in history. So that goes to show you how uh, revered these guys were or are still. Uh, in 1976, the guys joined uh, the Chargers on the defensive line after Jones was acquired from Edmonton slash L.A. Rams, and Dean and Johnson were the main pass rushers, while Jones and Kelcher were were the main run stoppers. Running up the middle was considered impossible by opposing teams on the Chargers. Uh, the four were always getting in the backfield with relative ease. Like they were they were just so good at, and dominant that they were just in the backfield all the time. Uh, their amazing play also helped their secondary out a great deal. While that unit was considered good in 1977, the players would not be nationally appreciated until 1978 when the four were featured in an issue of Sports Illustrated where the writer described them as a group of excellent young players with a better-than-average run defense and having pass rush abilities that made their secondary look better than it was. Kelcher was named to his first Pro Bowl for his, as a reward for his play in 1978. They were also, in that year, 78, considered the strength of the Chargers' defense. Sports Illustrated, again, they come up quite a, quite a bit in this story. Uh, they lauded their pass rushing ability, calling them an awesome young front four that was better than average against the run, and its pass rush clearly helped the, the secondary that wasn't very considered very good. They were considered unheralded. Uh, helped them rank among the league's, among the league's best units. Um, Don Coriel came to us in the middle of 1978, that season. And then uh, starting in 1979, um, they ended up winning three consecutive AFC West titles starting in 79. So 79, 80, and 81. Those Chargers teams were obviously known for its potent Eric Coriel offense, uh, and their Coriel teams were often fairly criticized for their defense, but they uh, th that particular year, they allowed an NFL low 246 points. That's 1979. Led by their defensive line and uh, Gary Bickhans Johnson's team record, 17 and a half sacks that year. The Chargers led the NFL with 60 sacks in 1980. Johnson, Kelcher, and Dean were all named starters to the Pro Bowl, and that's really rare for three defensive linemen from the same team to be no nominated to go to the Pro Bowl together and be starters as well. Um, Leroy Jones was named as an alternate, but he didn't play. Um, that season, the Chargers line was nicknamed the Bruise Brothers. Coined from a popular act at the time, the Bru Blues Brothers, fans were asked to submit nicknames for the uh, this defensive line because they were so dominant and so good and it was they were clearly the highlight of the whole defense. 
So fans mailed in suggestions. The Chargers front office presented a list of 15 finalists to the to these guys, the four guys, the defensive linemen, and they picked the Bruce brothers out of the 15 that were submitted. In 1979, Louis Kelcher suffered a knee injury that required surgery uh, in the beginning of the first game of that season, and he was replaced by Wilbur Young for the rest of the season. Wilbur Young played well, well enough to make the Pro Bowl. Uh, he was named to, to as an All-Pro by Sports Illustrated as well. In the Chargers' first full season under Don Coryell, uh, as I said, he was hired halfway through the 1978 season. The Chargers finished with a 12 and four record. The Bruce brothers were a major major reason for that. Uh, this, while the Chargers' offense was prolific and more remembered, the the defense led by those front four, except for Kelcher, obviously, who was replaced by Wilbur Young, uh, they helped close out many of those games, allowing only 246 total points the entire season to teams. The season would end in heartbreak against the Houston Oilers where despite Houston missing Earl Campbell and Dan Pastorini, their quarterback, the Chargers lost uh, 13-17. to Dan Fouts was considered the main reason for that, and that's a heartbreaker because he threw five interceptions in that game. In 1980, the four had the best season together, accounting for six, 60 quarterback sacks, which led the NFL. Out of them, 17 and a half, as we said, were Gary Higbehans Johnson's. Uh, he led the NFL in sacks that year. Uh, despite the Chargers' offense also remaining top tier in the NFL, the Chargers finished with only an 11-5 record that year. And in the playoffs, they secured their first playoff victory since the 63 AFL championship game uh, when they beat the Buffalo Bills 20-14 to in the playoffs in 1980. But like the year before, the season ended in heartbreak as the Chargers lost to the Raiders 34-27 in the AFC championship game. In that year's Pro Bowl, Fred Dean, Louis Kelcher, and Gary Big Hands Johnson formed three quarters of the defensive line. And as I said, Jones was named an alternate but did not play. At the start of the 1981 NFL season, Fred Dean wanted more money. And he pointed out that he was earning less than his sister's husband, who was driving a truck, a truck driver. Um, Chargers owner Gene Klein, on the other hand, he was known as a, a very cheap, I hate to say that, but that's what people labeled him as back then. Uh, he didn't want to pay players, so uh, he refused to give him any more money, um, even though Fred Dean had definitely earned it. Um, so Fred Dean requested a trade, and the Chargers traded him to San Francisco. In San Francisco, he got 12 sacks in 11 games, and they made a playoff run that resulted in them uh, winning the first NFL championship in uh, Super Bowl 16. That move was considered one of the dumbest moves in NFL history because the Chargers got almost nothing from it. And San Francisco got a Hall of Fame defensive end that greatly benefited their defense. The Chargers' passing def defense also suffered, uh, finishing dead last in passing yards allowed in 81 and 82 with the absence of Fred Dean. And after losing the conference championship game in 81 to Cincinnati, uh, Gary Big Hands Johnson said that if Dean would have been there, the outcome probably would have been different for the Chargers because they needed another good pass ru rusher to knock down Ken Anderson. Uh, they'd also switched to a 3-4 defensive scheme in 83, which kind of left Gary Big Hands Johnson practically useless, and it pissed Louis Kelcher off a whole bunch. Uh, he ended up retiring that year. Uh, he later signed with the 49ers in 1984, and he was joined by Gary Big Hands Johnson on the 49ers as well. So all three of those guys got reunited on the 49ers. And together they appeared in Super Bowl 19, which they won against Dan Marino's Dolphins. 
They were credited with shutting Dan Marino down, down and uh, Gary Bagans Johnson was named the unofficial defensive N- MVP for his constant pressure on Dan Marino that game, sacking him once. Uh, and then Jones had retired after the 1983 season. Uh, but that's about it for the uh, the Bruce brothers. They did have some incredible stats. Gary Johnson ended up uh, finishing his career with 67 total sacks. Fred Dean with 53 and a half. Leroy Jones with 43 and a half. And surprisingly, Louis Kelcher ended the list with 39, the lowest on the list. Uh, so I hope you've really enjoyed this episode. Uh, remember the Bruce brothers when you look at our, our defensive line play this year. I uh, hope you guys come up with a really creative nickname for them. And uh, really enjoyed seeing all that banter on social media about this. Uh, hopefully these guys play well enough, our new guys, to, uh, to earn a nickname. In any case, I will see you next time on Bolt History. Remember, stay bolted. K, love you. Bye. Well, damn, Mike, way to way to dive deep into the freaking Bruise Brothers. I didn't know that. Uh, this is this is the first one that I fully learned something it, completely from scratch in Bolt History. So thanks, Mike. That was awesome. Absolutely, yeah. No, those are all obviously huge contributors to the team, and. You know, it's unfortunate that it ended on a sour note of all of them going to another team. You know, I I think it's interesting that you've got the the one player that said, you know, we would have been better if we would have had this guy. Yeah. And if you look at it in a way that the Chargers are now, it's like, well, we just got got a couple of a guy. We got quite a few guys for this defensive line. So I think, yeah, looking at it in a in a reverse look, it's just that much more exciting about what to expect for the chargers this season, uh, where we get, I mean, Fahoko's calling them the blockbusters. I don't know if, how, hey, that, <laughs> how well that'll that stick. works for now. I think, I right. think, I think that's we're, the practice season name. <laughs> I want to, that. yeah, we're going to warm up with that. I want to see them on the field and see what they're all about. And right. something is going to come up organically. I know it will. Sure. But the bruise brothers is cool. And 50 sacks a year. That's insane. Yeah. What? That's a lot. That is a crazy <laughs> average. So, hey, if we can get anywhere close to the Bruise Brothers, I'll uh, take that all day long. Absolutely. Well, I think we've we've got the talent to do it. Uh, we'll see how it goes this season. But, hey, Mike, again, thank great you, work. dude, for taking a look. It was a great, great segment, buddy. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here at Charger Chat. Uh Kyle, I hope you're doing okay. Hillary, I hope you're doing even better. Um, yeah, you, we, you got this, Duggins. You got you this. Guys, we got this. We're going to get through this. And something a little crazy from Monday. Oh, yeah. Monday Monday might get a little wild, folks. Get a little Can't crazy. Can't tell you what. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. And if you're listening to this and you want to submit an Ask Bolt Fam question, we're going to request them one day earlier than we normally do. So... That's Keep right. Keep your eyes out for that. Make sure you get those in by Saturday, by Sunday. Yes. Um, that's what we're looking for. So. That is what we are looking for, folks. We appreciate you. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us here at Charger Chat. Don't forget to bolt up because we're ready for any squad, any place. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.